0: This is a podcast from 3 Triple R 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio.
1: Smart Arts, the name of the program. Richard Watts with you here, taking you through till midday. My first guest for the morning joins us in the studio, Program Manager Spiro Economopoulos from the Melbourne Queer Film Festival. Spiro, Hi. welcome.
2: Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me on. My very great pleasure. Your first festival. It is. It totally is. And, you know, I... The fact that i've just been mindful about just getting it all together i've really had no time to think about you know what a huge task <laughs> it is but, but it's all good it's all good
1: now i say your first festival but you've been a, a regular attendee of the festival for many years oh,
2: absolutely yeah it's been uh, it's been really i mean it's fantastic i guess because i've been a punter for a long time and now being on the other side i've become you know fully aware and appreciative of the, you know, the huge effort that goes into getting this up. So
1: it's kind of a nice perspective, actually. Now, given that it is your first festival and that you've had, as you say, that kind of long long view of the, the, the festival itself, mm-hmm. when you began the the job of programming the festival, mm-hmm. I'm imagining you already had some tweaks and changes to the way the festival ran that you wanted to bring in.
2: I did, yeah. Look, I, I, was, I was really interested in bringing in in some programming strands in particular. You know, I sort of started by looking at the previous programs and thought, you know, it'd be nice to, I think, offer something a little bit more curated where I could. So the strands that came in were where I sort of started with that and started thinking about things like the music strand, Proud and Loud, for example, Out There, which is our sort of cult Midnight movie kind of strand, which is something you know I've always loved. Um, so that's you know our pioneers program, which I was really excited about and very keen to do right from the beginning. Um, which we're doing a fast focus on this year, which is really exciting, and the shorts as well, which is the other thing that I thought oh, I really wanted to revisit the shorts packages, which uh, you know MQFF um, do a lot of shorts packages and they're amazing, and I really wanted to focus on them and think about you know what's you know how to change that i suppose and what fresh ideas to bring into
1: it what is it that program streams like uh, pioneers or proud and loud and so forth what do they bring to a festival why did you want to bring them in well look you know proud
2: and loud i think any program in one way or another is going to reflect the curator's sensibility whether it's conscious or not so you know I think part of my personality and my tastes have filtered into some of those strands To certain respect you know I love music as you know I worked in a record store for a long time so the music program for me really was to you know celebrate that and I I, you know I think uh, it was a maybe uh, an attempt to bring in some new audiences um, and also to acknowledge the fact that you know queer musicians and tastemakers have been instrumental in, you know, a lot of the music that we all love, and
1: this is was really just an opportunity to celebrate that. So, for example, one of the films, The Glamour and The Squalor, uh, focused on uh, a radio DJ, uh, mm. so... Already, I'm. I going, know. There oh. you go. Well, <laughs> you know, clearly, I'm going <laughs> like to welcome
2: this. to you, yeah, Marco Collins, who I didn't really know anything about. I don't know if you had heard of him before, but um, it was a really interesting uh, documentary. And you know, Marco Collins pretty much discovered bands like Nirvana, Pearl Jam. Like he was really instrumental in bringing grunge to the mainstream. And it was it's it's such a it's a fascinating documentary. And I,
1: I thought, wow, you know, you know, who is this guy? Now, the Pioneers stream we've just touched on, you uh, said that this year it's a focus on German director Rainer Werner Fassbinder, which suggests, A, you're going to continue this Pioneers stream in coming years with a different director each time. Why start with Fassbinder? You
2: know, Fassbinder um, influence is, is huge, and we probably don't realise it. And actually, funnily enough, one of the other films we're showing in the program is The Duke of Burgundy, and The Duke of Burgundy really owes a lot to the Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant, which is um, obviously part of the Fassbender retrospective. So I think for me, Fassbender just felt like the right place to start in a way. You know, he, uh, even me as a young kind of coming out, queer, was, you know, searching gay films. You know, Corel was that that movie that, you know, sort of was looming. It was some kind of weird fantasia that I needed to see. So I think, you know, it felt, it just felt right to me.
1: I'm certainly looking forward to the opportunity to see Corel on the big screen. It's
2: amazing. Yeah, it's funny. I re-watched it again recently and kind of was just blown away by how, just, you know, what a
1: sort of... Fever sex dream, it is. It's very weird, but I loved it. I mean, based on, uh, I guess, an infamous novel by Jean Mm. Genet, and uh, uh, the hero is a murderous psychopath who kind of Mm. strangles his sexual partners. It's kind of, it sounds like a a lovely piece of work. Totally,
2: but it's Brad Davis, so you kind of go, oh, that's fine.
1: (laughs) So, in terms of uh, approaching the program for something like Melbourne Queer Film Festival, one of the challenges I would imagine. Is that the queer community is an incredibly diverse community you've, it is kind of uh, you're programming for gay men lesbians, bisexuals, transgender, mm. intersex people, but with even within all those groupings, kind yes. of the tastes of one gay man and another gay man are going to be completely mm. different because yeah. the the common link is sexuality as opposed to that's right taste culture, love mm. of cinema whatever yeah that's true and
2: I mean obviously I was very mindful that the program you know seemed uh, represented diversity, for starters. But I think at the end of the day, and it's the way I approach any kind of programming, uh, I start with one key thing, which is that, is the film any good? So, you know, regardless of whether it's a mainstream film or avant-garde film or an experimental film, you have to have a connection to it. So whatever I program was really just from that pure basis. And so is it any good? Did I really like it? Everything that's in here is because... I really liked it. So that's kind of... It made it easier.
1: That's a good start. Now, one of the things that's been, I guess, a, a mark of the Queer Film Festival, certainly in the last decade, the yeah. festival's been around for, for many years, but we've started to see what would have once been films relegated just to the queer film circuit uh, being mm-hmm. programmed in the the major festivals like Myth, that's right. for example, or turning mm-hmm. up in... Palace Cinemas, various yes. uh, uh, French, Italian, mm. et cetera, et cetera, film festivals. Mm. But what's been happening in previous years is those films may have screened at, uh, at MIF or somewhere like that mm-hmm. and have been picked up again for the festival. You've continued that trend yes. to a degree as well. Yeah. What is it about seeing a film that may have already you may have mm. already seen once in, in, a, in a different film festival? Yeah. Why reprogram it mm. for, for this festival?
2: It's funny. Um, it's interesting that you ask that because, uh, to be honest with you, in the beginning... I was a little bit resistant about that. I had this very strict mantra, no films that have screened anywhere else. And it slowly slipped away. And mainly because I, I began to realise that, you know, the audience at MQFF is a different audience from me if it can be a different audience from the French Film Festival or the Italian Film Festival, etc. And... There's also something about seeing all these films in a queer context. So, like the Duke and Burgundy, for example, which we discussed and its connection to the Fassbender program. So, there was something there that uh, seemed right to me. And there are other films, for example, like, you know, Grandma and Boulevard that you know, haven't had it, even had a theatrical release. And I, I thought to myself, you know, at the end of the day, I, and, you know, God knows why, they're really great films, and at the end of the day, um, this is about seeing movies on the big screen.
1: Let's talk about Boulevard and some of the other titles that are in the program. Boulevard is features Robin Williams in one of mm. his very last performances.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a really, really strong film. Robin Williams is very low-key in it. He's wonderful. You know, I think as an actor, sometimes he can be a little bit... Um, Divisive, let's just say, but I think he turns in a really poignant performance, and maybe it's even more poignant because it is one of his last ones. His uh, wife is played by Kathy Baker, who's also great in it. It's a really good film. Um, it,
1: it's the notion of a somebody falling in love with a rent boy who's been mm. done dozens of times. That's one of the part of the yes, plot of the film. Is. What is it about this film that makes that? Tired trope fresh.
2: I think what's interesting is that his relationship with the Rent Boy and his interaction with him is really about his own self discovery, essentially, and kind of coming out as a gay man. So he's a closeted married man when he meets this other young man. So his connection with the Rent Boy really is just kind of about intimacy and wanting to, you know, have that intimate connection. So I think it handles that quite beautifully, I think, and you know, really, really
1: subtly. Something else that's been a development in, festi- in the, the festival in previous years is, a rene- uh, a, I guess, a strengthened focus on films from uh, nations where English is not the, the primary language. Yeah. So we're seeing kind of uh, we've seen, for example, over the last decade, a, a great rise in queer films from South America. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, that's yeah, amazing. We have a lot of Spanish language films this year, which is really interesting. And there's some fantastic films from Chile, like in the Grayscale, for example, and where we've got Hidden Away um, in the, in the Grayscale. in in particular is excellent it's such a strong film about I don't know if you know much about it but it's about a a married architect who um, is questioning his sexuality and he meets a, a tour guide basically who takes him around the city and they form a relationship and the film becomes about that him trying to define himself you know what he is is he gay is he straight is he bi and um you know the title in the grayscale in the grayscale sort of comes from that it's a it's a really really
1: strong film um Has it been difficult to find quality lesbian features?
2: No, no, not at all, actually. I I have to say some of my favourite films in the program are lesbian films. I love Portrait of a Serial Monogamous. It's it's fantastic, really, really fun ensemble film, great script, really strong cast. It it was one of the early films I I previewed and I I just thought, you know, I want this in here straight away and um, the audience response to it so far has been great. Grandma with Lily Tomlin is fantastic and you know when I was watching it I just I just can't believe it didn't get a theatrical release it's really crazy it's such a good film it's a it's a feminist parable Um, Lily Tomlin is incredible in it it's got a really great cast apart from her including people like Laverne Cox is in it and um,
1: Judy Greer who's in two films in the festival so yeah it's really good if you've just tuned in we're chatting with spiro economopoulos the program manager of the melbourne queer film festival the festival's running from the 31st of march to the 11th of april now uh, any good film festival obviously needs to reflect the either the city it's based in or the country it's from let's talk about some of the australian content mm. of the festival starting with remembering the man which i've had the pleasure of watching already yeah A really yeah. strongly made documentary Isn't it? Which yeah. is in some ways the i guess the the flip side mm. of the feature film "Holding the Man" that was Absolutely. released last year—it's a documentary telling the same story, but yeah. kind of from—it's uh, a really strongly made film.
2: Absolutely, and I think what's interesting is obviously this story has been told in so many different formats. Now we've had the stage show, we've obviously had the feature film last year, and now the documentary. And I think what the documentary does so well that possibly the other formats didn't is that. It celebrates the community around these people as well. So you actually get to see interviews with people that knew them. And I think what's really interesting about the story, and if you know the book really well too, is is about that tight community around them, that champion, that
1: relationship. That even when they were really young, they, you know, they, they, you know, they there's, really. There's a line from one of the one of the uh, the friends of uh, uh, Tim and John in the film who says, "Well, kind of they were the the, the couple that taught us all yes, how to be exactly." In a relationship. Exactly.
2: And it was always the thing that I really liked about the original story. So it was something that I really responded to in the documentary. And, you know, I, yeah, I think it's a really great doco. And the shorts? The shorts program was, it's funny, uh, programming the shorts initially, it was quite daunting because there's a lot of shorts packages, but I had a lot of fun doing it in the end. And I think the Australian shorts package in particular is fantastic. You know, there's some really, really strong films in there. So it's really exciting to, to have them here. And also, you know, for MQFF to be, you know, supporting, you know, young up-and-coming queer filmmakers and filmmakers in general that deal with queer themes. I think it's really important to do that. And, you know, obviously we have been the testing ground for bigger filmmakers, people like Grand Chukluna, for example, who had the Wilding in the festival and has now gone on to do Downriver. So hopefully... You know, some of these filmmakers you might be seeing some feature films in our festival
1: in the coming years. I look forward to that possibility as well. There's also, of course, uh, the ancillary program of events and conversations. Mm. And I mentioned the movie matchmaking uh, just yeah. a, a little bit earlier, which in is the going show. to be a lot of fun, I think. So uh, yes, if uh, if you like the idea of speed dating. It takes that idea and, and twists hmm. it a little.
2: Absolutely, so. and I think it's about finding a movie friend and keeping it. Uh, I, I guess it's it's not gender specific. It could be anyone. So your movie matchmaking friend could be male, could be female. You know, you don't have to. You know, so I think it was about turning that
1: on its head a little bit. So I think yeah, I think it's going to be a really fun night. The Melbourne Queer Film Festival is running from the thirty first of March until the eleventh of April. You can pick up a copy of the beautifully designed, very clean. It looks great. Yeah, thank you. Yep, or you can jump online mqff.com.au to get all the festival details you need. I'm looking forward to immersing myself into some queer cinema.
0: Spiro, thanks for joining
1: us.
3: Thank you.
0: This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio.
1: Uh, Now, my next guests have joined me in the studio. We're going to be chatting about an annual exhibition at the National Gallery of Victoria at the Ian Potter Centre, NGV Australia at Fed Square. The annual Top Arts Exhibition presents work by secondary school students uh, from the VCE VCE Art and Studio Arts streams. And joining us... uh, Today to talk about Start Up Top Arts 2016 curator Ingrid Wood Ingrid hello hello and uh, two of the artists involved Tom Habal and Mahalia Kluwer welcome to you both hello hey so um, Ingrid let's start with you how on earth do you curate an exhibition like that given there, there must be thousands of students uh, whose work is is in theory eligible
0: that's right it's um it's a really long and um and quite painstaking process so we start um around August every year the applications go up online and students are invited to send in up to five photographs of their work with a small comment about their work and um, the applications come into the NGV and this year we had around two and a half thousand applications so it was this flurry in the last week most of them come in so a flurry of applications come in and there's a panel of um, five this year that looked at the works we had the State Reviewer for Art, the State Reviewer for Studio Arts, a regional rep from VCA and myself and my colleague David Menzies from education and we looked at all of these um, all of the images and we um, and we looked at which um, which artworks used materials really well, which had original concepts and ideas, and we made a short list of works from those. So we shortlisted around 90 students this year and we got those 90 students to bring in everything that they'd done to the VCAR offices in Coburg. So we looked at all of the development work as well as the finish works and from that we got down to our final selection of 42 students.
1: Okay, so 42 students including the two of you. So it must have been a fairly what nerve-wracking process to be shortlisted and then to, to make your way through to the to the final group?
4: I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say really nerve-wracking. I'd say more exciting because it's just really it's just you feel really privileged to to have someone else notice your artwork. Um, I mean, you have, like, teachers along the way tell you that, you know, your work's really impressive, which is really great to hear, but when you're shortlisted by, you know, an organisation and by an exhibition that's so highly regarded, it's pretty awesome. pretty awesome experience, yeah? Yeah.
3: Yeah, um, I don't know. I reckon that apart from... It, for me, there was some nerves because during the whole submitting process, I was kind of just like... Um, should I really be doing this? Like, is it? Am I going to, you know, be in the exhibition in the end? And um, I guess, well, you know, you never know until you, until go you for give it a go. It. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, and uh, Mahalia, I understand there's two of your works in the exhibition.
3: Yeah, there is two. Um, very different pieces. So one's a um, installation, sculptural piece, um, kind of resembling a tombstone, kind of,
1: and which yeah. is kind of. What, commenting on celebrity culture and yeah, the way we we false gods? And, yeah, yeah, it's
3: like a very ironic piece, kind of. The whole thing is a piece of satire, which I was kind of going for, kind of like Mambo, Reg Mombasa's work, um, yeah.
1: And what's the other piece?
3: The other piece is a large-scale biro portrait where I used 200 um, just BIC biros and... Um,
0: yeah. So. Not all at once. Not
1: all at once, yeah. no. <laughs> no. And, Tom, your work is photographic in nature, but no. um, not a traditional photo in, no. by any stretch of the imagination. And you, have you actually created...
4: Yeah, you, yeah you? I've created my own sort of distortion camera. So, do you okay. me, I can explain yeah, it? Please. I, yeah, please. Okay. What
1: is a distortion camera?
4: Okay, well, um, I pretty much went through a lot of research to find out um, how this distortion camera sort of created these really cool photographs um, and it took me a really long time researching and finding out how it was created but I eventually I found out how to do it and it's pretty much by using a, a large box drilling a sort of a circular hole in the back of the box which my digital camera would peer through this box and then I'd have a long panel which would slide on these tracks on the front of this this box with the hole in it and this slide would have a two millimetre slit um, vertical along the horizontal box. Um, And as I would expose the photograph of my digital camera and slide across the panel, you'd get this time displacement. So when someone moved in sync with this panel sliding across, it'd stretch their body forms. So that's sort of what I was trying to do with my artwork, yeah. So
1: it's a really interesting combination of digital and analogue technology. Yeah,
4: Yeah. so I was trying to sort of uh, demonstrate how our bodies are quite are quite sort of uh were made up of a lot of liquid and that's sort of unseen it's permeable and malleable yeah. and yeah and
1: as that's, sort of, that's sort of
4: unseen um through our structural forms but i was trying to sort of um expose that through my photos yeah
1: yeah um in terms of curating and selecting the the working grid what was it about uh mahalia's work and tom's work that spoke to you and the rest of the panel
0: was really about the ideas that they had and how they'd combined those ideas with the way that they've used materials and techniques and they'd sort of resolved all of those aesthetic qualities really well so Mahalia's um drawing of Charlie was um it had a lot of humor that was evident in it It was really strident in its use of um pen and um and the other work um, Mahalia's work what a time to be alive had a lot of um humor and irony and it has a sort of brash trashiness about it that I think is part of that message about what we value in 20, in 21st century um, also looking at both of their visual diaries um, the work in top arts isn't just selected on the finished work itself I think that the the finished work of a, a VCE folio is really just the smallest part of what students have done throughout the year and, and Tom and Mahalia will be able to attest to that that a lot of the work is really done in the development and trialling and experimentation of materials and techniques and when you looked at Tom and Mahalia's folios those visual diaries really talked about all of the thinking and the planning and the development and the conceptual development um, that went into their pieces as well. So, it was the combination of the finished work but also those those developmental folios and the processes.
1: How long does it take to develop uh, and the kind of ideas that you were exploring
3: in these these works? Um, for me it took quite a quite some time because I had to kind of, you know, I had to pick a topic that I could explore to its full potential because so I didn't want to, you know, get dead ends and you know, I wanted it to be able to flow into new ideas. So that took a while. You know, there was many lists made, many mind maps. Um, and then from there, you just narrow it down, you know, until you end up with something that you're happy with.
4: Um, I think the thing is about an art folio, or any folio, really, is that you you don't really start with an idea that's cemented. It's all, it's all experimental throughout the process. So I may have started with a theme and... and ended up with something which I completely thought was like totally unexpected. So I, I think it's sort of more about just staying on track and as much as you wanna try and stay grounded, you wanna explore new new ideas so you can reach your full potential in your artwork.
1: Yeah. Now there's, uh, as well as the two of you, there's 40 other artists represented in the exhibition, which, as I said, is on at uh, uh, NGV Australia, the Ian Potter Centre at Federation Square. Um, uh, have you had a chance to to view all of the works as they, now that they've been hung and, and presented? And are there any works that leap out at you? Um
3: Well, when I was looking through the not only the exhibition but that catalogue as well, there was three um, photographic portraits that I just loved, and it was forget what her name was at some. um, I want to get this right, Lauren Fung. Fung, Yeah. yeah. Um, So if you're listening, Lauren Fung, um, yeah, the three portraits of her boyfriend of Chung. Chung? yeah, at the time I believe. I just think that they were really awesome um really eye-catching portraits um yeah definitely
1: and at least you were f-
4: nodding at the same time as yeah well, so. I, I really did like those analog photographs like just were quite sort of you had to sort of look them up close but for me i mean i actually had a friend who was in my class as well daniel daniel if you're listening uh, <laughs> he yeah he he was in my class and he also got selected for some photographs as well as Another friend called Lily, who also was in the exhibition, and just being able to catch up with them was pretty surreal um, to think that, you know, it's such a small world, and, you know, both all of us are sort of really proud and really happy to be there. So, yeah, it's really cool.
1: And, Ingrid, any other of the artists whose work you'd like to speak to? Um,
0: I think that there's a. Oh, there's all of them. I think every every single person has a story, so it's very hard to sort of pick pick um, one or two. Um, so there is one work which you go into the show which you don't actually it doesn't have a physical presence. So I think um, I might talk about that one because that's one that people might miss. Um, there was one student, Sandy Shu, who made a, an installation for her her. Folio, um, and it also had it had artworks on the walls and, and sculptures in the room. But she decided that it was a bit empty, so she recorded a, a four track EP. For um, to add to the presence of the, you know, the installation and when you go into the exhibition you can hear Sandy singing so she recorded this four-track EP which she called Suburbia and um, she recorded it in a, in a single sitting on her smartphone in her bedroom and she's written the, the lyrics and she plays the music and, um, and I think that's a very interesting and different work she's gone on to the VCA to, to do music there um, another work which is a bit different I guess to um, to the others is there's a work by a student called Victoria Mangano which is a body percussion work so the whole thing is um, she's filmed a friend of hers making body noises clicking and popping and banging on the chest and then there's a vocal sounds in the background so again she's recorded that so that's a work that has um is a digital work but it's it's perhaps a little bit different to the others as well
1: yeah now um tom you were at kingswood college in box hill uh and mahala you were at q high school from secondary school and vca uh VCA last year what are you doing this year what uh, and beyond what are your plans
3: um i'm at rmit in the city doing communication design hopefully to you know become a graphic designer um all the while um practicing art because i don't want to you know I didn't want to do fine arts, but I don't want to let that go completely. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. I'm doing um, communication design honours at Swinburne um, in Hawthorne. and yeah, again, same, similar to Mahalia, I sort of want to keep my creative streak going. Um, and there's a lot of electives that are involved in the course, which. Might include photography or typography, so it's all it's all all that creative thinking's always flowing. So yeah, I'm really right. excited about that. Well, I look forward to
1: seeing what you create and come up with, and maybe you'll be back on the show in a few years' time <laughs> talking <laughs> about uh, an exhibition elsewhere. Uh, Startup Top Arts 2016 is on now at the Ian Potter Centre, NGV Australia, at Federation Square, running through until July. Uh, entry is free, and as we said, you get to see 42 of the state's best emerging young artists presenting their work. Ingrid, Tom and Mahalia, thank you very much for joining us here at Triple R. Thank you.
3: Thanks for having us.
0: This is a podcast from 3 Triple R one oh two point seven FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio.
1: Hannah Gadsby joins me in the studio Dogmatic. Hannah, I hope your morning is going slightly more smoothly than mine.
5: No. I've I've still got my makeup on from last night. I did the opening night gala, and I realised as I looked in the rear vision mirror today, I'm like, oh, panda. <laughs> I just because I don't wear makeup, and it's like um, it's new to me. You know, I mean, I, I mean, it's, people have touched my face before, but you know to wash it off, I forget. There's my morning. Oh wow. Gosh, so interesting. I'm boring myself. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen.
1: So Dogmatic is your brand new show at the Melbourne International mm-hmm. Comedy Festival. Is there a theme or a focus or is it just a kind of annual catch-up of, of what's going on in your life?
5: No, I've decided this year not to catch up with myself. Um, this year I'm recreating Taylor Swift's 1989 world tour. As one does? Yes, as one does. Why Taylor Swift? Um, because I, I became a little bit... Um, uh, involved in her music uh due to my 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 girlfriend was uh, had two children has two children the past tense there is she's not my girlfriend anymore not that something happened to the children <laughs> um but the uh so you know i made a real attempt to be involved in the the, the kids likes and stuff and uh taylor Swift was one of those um so I never, I don't like, I didn't like pop when it was relevant to me, you know, as a young person. So it's been a real battle to investigate Tay Tay. But I've done it, it's got everything she's got except songs.
1: Uh, it's lucky that we're not on commercial radio because I have this idea of if we if, just imagine we were on some other commercial radio station. I, mean, I can't even begin to imagine, really. But, but <laughs> just, I can just imagine the switchboard suddenly lighting up and kind of like a throngs of, of angry Taylor Swift fans kind of protesting outside.
5: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I mean, I just don't think that the Hannah Gadsby Taylor Swift fan diagram really touches. I think it's just two circles, um, not even orbiting in the same universe. Uh, so I, I do believe that there will be people coming to my show who don't even know. Actually. I did a show last or the other night in Hobart and my mum and dad came to visit and I came out to get the usual um, review, the worst reviewers. Um, and mum just goes, who's Taylor Swift? You know, I'm like, oh, well, that was, that was lost. And dad said, how was that show? And I said, I don't know, dad, you were there. Yeah, but oh, I don't know. <laughs> So, yeah, it's a glowing reviews there. Well,
1: I'll have to sit down and make sure that I actually listen to at least one Taylor Swift don't. song in its entirety before I come along too. You it. don't need to. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, no, no, good. No, no. Good. Because I, um, I, I, I figure there are certain things I've managed to spare myself over the years. So.
5: Yeah, I'm doing, sort of, I'm doing sort of a Ryan Adams to Taylor Swift, but I'm paring it down even more. Um, so there's no music and barely any joy. So it's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> uh, a comedy festival
1: show without joy? Now, that would be a surprising thing.
5: Oh, no, that's me every year. My fans, no-one love me for this. No, no, it's it's very joyful.
1: <laughs> what is it about comedy that has sustained you? Uh,
5: um, oh, well, it, I just keep doing it. It's a forward momentum thing. You know You know when you trip and you just <laughs> run it out? I'm still doing that. Um, uh, comedy is wonderful um, for... To be able to live off, as far as arts, can, I feel very, you know, because I know a lot of artists who work in different areas, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a struggle. It's much more of a struggle to find the infrastructure. The comedy has to be able to make money, and and so that that helps. And I, I really don't have a lot to fall back on. I'm starting to think that oh, now I could do something, but when I first started, I I was <laughs> I was a farm labourer, uh, and not even very good at that. Um, so. That's what sustained me—desperation, um,
1: but also being bloody funny as oh, well. Oh yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. No, I'm really lucky. Like, because I'm not a student of the art form. Um, I, I forget. Um, so I do. Re- you know, I was 28 when I took it up, and I hadn't really um, thought about it. I mean, I had Bill Cosby tapes when I was a kid. We know how that worked out. Um, so I, I have a fairly unique voice, and I think it's because I'm, uh, you know, lost my own head. <laughs> and there's a lot of luck and a lot of um um a lot of luck I'm gonna say. Yeah. And I don't know what it, and a lot of I don't know's.
1: Tell us about the process of writing and creating a brand new show from scratch, because <coughs> anybody who's not a comedian might occasionally tell a joke and get a laugh, but we don't think, oh, I should write that down and kind of retell that and, and tweak and change the structure and the format a little bit. And
5: well, I'm, I'm the opposite. You know, like, I, I'm i the person people least, least <laughs> think, wow, you're a comedian. I, sometimes I meet fans and I just see the disappointment glaze over their eyes when they meet me in person. Um, and I always start a, I always write a show around what I'm thinking of in the early days it was like mm, my biography <laughs> and it was like you know my whole which I regret now because in the first few shows there's like ten shows I could have eked out of, of one but now it, it's whatever's sort of on my mind or what's being you know and unfortunately this, next year i have to be careful to think about other things than Taylor Swift um, but yeah and it's, I stew a lot you know I stew a lot I think and there's there's kernels and Not (laughs) kernels. I'm thinking of Kentucky fried chicken now, but there's no kernels like that. Seeds. Um, And I just let them stew. A few years ago, I used to try and write them out and, you know, (laughs) and I'd kill the the darlings. But um, now I, I stew for a very long time, like three or four months, when I know I should be writing, but I'm like, no.
1: Stu. Ponder, ponder, ponder is good. Now, Dogmatic, you're taking it after uh, Melbourne International Comedy Festival, you're taking it up to Belvoir in Sydney. Yeah, Fancy Pants. Fancy Pants Theatre. Um, Speaking of Fancy Pants, uh, you are no stranger to art galleries. Uh, You've done art gallery tours and spoken about art. You had your own ABC TV series about Australian art. Yeah. The, the balance between comedy and and the fine arts is something that fascinates me.
5: Well, there's no balance at all, I'd say, because um, oh, I I studied art history and curatorship at university. That's why I was a farm labourer, and I, <laughs> I really love art, but I could never have worked in you know the curatorial realm or anything like that because I you know I'm, I'm just a hopeless you know human, you know. You know, you have to talk the talk and you know, and I've you know, fail. Um, but you know, I do and I do love art and I find it really fascinating the way that it's sort of can often alienate a potential audience, uh, through just self justification. Um so I like cutting through that because I you know, I do really love art. Um but it is funny, like the reverence that, that that surrounds it is really funny, and also people love the aha moments with art. They're like, oh, that's if oh, you should give people a key to a piece, they they're they, just sitting there and like, I know I should like it, but I don't know what it is. You give them a key, then they can go wherever they like in a piece, and they love those moments. And so you can arrest a person with that, not <laughs> and you um, stop them in their tracks. You stop them in their tracks, and um so that's a nice moment and that makes the comedy so much easier because they're not expecting it because they're enjoying it on another level because i find comedy it's just like people are there like i'm gonna laugh and i've always sort of played with that in that i like to drop them in a big old hole and then go see if i can dig them out so i've left quite a few audiences and uh, buried alive, but generally but uh, art's the flip of that it's like very easy to skim and just go you', won't ex- you know people don't expect to laugh because they've gone well that's paint
1: is it hard to make people laugh if they're coming along expecting it as opposed to just you know, easing them into it naturally
5: well it depends uh, when I first started um I had the element of surprise because no one no one knew what this this was um, but it was also pushing pushing uphill a bit as well because you know people resist and i think particularly when i start i don't think it's much anymore but uh, you know it's definitely a little bit people don't warm to women immediately as as to go like oh you this is going to be funny they don't relax again you know whether they're again or you know four. it doesn't matter there's tension it's like oh no um, and that's why you often, you know, every single female comedian you talk to will get the you know, get the statement after a show, like, I don't like female comedians, but, I, you know, I love you. And that's that's what you always walk on to, um, this sort of like, well, I don't like female comedians. Is it? Um, whereas guys walk on and they go, this, this could go either way. Default setting. Prob- it's a yeah, default setting. So, you know, that's harder. Um, in, a, in a sense, but now, now, particularly in Australia, I've I've got a oh really lovely fan base, and um, so when I walk and say, particularly for my shows, they're like, "Hello, hello, old friend, how miserable are you this year?" <laughs> well, let me tell you.
1: Well, you haven't hiked across Scotland or anything kind of crazy kind of uh, this year, so.
5: Oh gosh, I've done I've done a few odd things, but um, it's Taylor listening to Taylor Swift is akin to walking across the the um, Midlands of the UK.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Hannah Gadsby's Dogmatic is on uh, as part of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival from the 24th of March until the 17th of April uh, uh, at Acme, the Australian Centre for the Moving Image in a space called Beyond. Mm. i kind of like Beyond a- at Acme. I, it will find it somewhere.
5: Yeah, it, it sounds so exciting, so I'm going to hang on to that, at least for the first week. <laughs> <laughs> Look, as a
1: I guess as a final question, Hannah, given that the comedy festival circuit is now like an international festival circuit and you regularly run into kind of the same faces in Edinburgh, Adelaide, Perth, Toronto, wherever you might be. Mm. How, um, kind of, what's it like when the festivals aren't on? Kind of like, do you suddenly go, oh, I miss comedians and I want want to oh, people to...
5: <laughs> never, 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 um, I <laughs> It's just so lovely because you kind of have familiar faces wherever you go. So even though, you, you know, you're... all all over the place. It is is kind of comforting, but it is incredibly isolated as well, even though, you know, to be... You know, I sometimes forget to speak to people for an entire day during festivals. Um, eh? G'day. But, uh, so it's a... You know, sometimes it's surprising how little involved I can get in a festival. I always forget that it's a festival. Um, Particularly in Melbourne, um, because I, you know, I go home and do some gardening. Um, And then... This always shocks me when they're now going, like, oh, people being festive, crap, i better, I better do something about that. Uh, so it's a roller rollercoaster there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I said that was a final question, but i got a final, final question. I don't
5: think I answered it, though. Oh, that's OK. I, think I just we
1: chatted. We spoke about gardening instead. It for me. Yeah. Um, any tips? Any kind of uh, oh. kind of comedians that you would really recommend that Triple R listeners should go and check out, yeah. uh, as well as your good self, of course. Oh,
5: Yeah, no worries. Um, I'm like, oh no, don't worry about me. But yes, I no, do. Gosh, I've got to get this down pat, this self promotion thing. No, there's heaps of great stuff. Anne Edmonds again this year. I, I really recommend, um, and um, Mae Martin um, from the UK, absolutely brilliant. Um, gosh, uh, Sarah Pascoe. Um, there's a, a group show on I'm not sure what it's called but there's two uh, s- oh, the girl who won Best Newcomer in Edinburgh this year I so, oh, forget her name so gosh I feel awful she's fabulous but so fabulous I can't remember her name it's just beyond it's Acme and beyond she's, no, uh, and, and another girl oh god i, so is, I, I
1: put Shit. people on the spot this is no, kind of,
5: this is my brain this is not
1: that way, my brain does the same thing it's kind of oh. if, people say richard what's a great show that i should see
5: and i go oh there was that one that was like really good about the the thing you yeah. know the thing and geraldine hickey is good where to go i love her she always she's got funny bones um um, god I remember, lou sanders lou sanders she's in the group show with sophie i think it's sophie or something they're I mean, amazing. Um, so there's some really good recs. Great.
1: Questions. Well, I, I'm always after a few tips, and I'm sure the listeners are as well. So uh,
5: <laughs> tips, uh, but no names. Uh, no, we got a few out of
1: you in the end. Look, we, we got Ann Edmonds, uh, Mae Martin, um, Lou Sanders from the UK, and more. So yeah, Sarah so Pasco, Sarah Pasco, amazingly. Yeah. Hannah Gadsby's Dogmatic, as I said, on as part of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival at the Australian Centre for the Moving Image. Uh, on from today. So first, pre, first previewy thing tonight. I mean, it's,
5: it's going to be beyond. My voice just broke.
1: You've become a, kind of an adolescent
5: <laughs> boy. Um, I mean, uh, I've never, no, never got out of it.
1: Hannah what? is on until the 17th of April. Uh, the Comedy Festival itself is also on until the 17th of April. More info at comedyfestival.com.au. Hannah
5: Gadsby, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Have a lovely day.